right, all right, all right. Welcome back. If you're a veteran and you're struggling or feel like you are leading a path towards the darkness, stop and think about those who are around you. Think about how they truly value you, how they will miss you. You are not alone. You need to talk to someone. Someone will listen to you. If you feel like you'll be a burden to someone or you don't feel like you should weigh that, put that weight on your inner circle, call the hotline at 988 and take option one. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. It's the underscore Misfit Nation. This will keep you up to date with our latest news, episodes, and of course, our great guests. The Misfit Nation welcomes U.S. Army veteran and co-founder of Project Refit, Dan Lombard. He's a combat veteran, Purple Heart recipient, and co-founder, of course, of Project Refit. Project Refit is a peer-to-peer support uh, organization designed to combat isolation in veterans and first responders. He is currently pursuing his degree in psychology. Welcome, Dan Lombard. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem, brother. I'm glad that uh, our mutual friend, Mike Manning, was able to connect us together and get you on here. And once I started reading about what you're doing and everything that you're involved in, it made this all the more important to have you on here. Uh, Basically, our platform is to stop uh, the 22 and to make uh, every veteran and every first responder know that we're here for them. And there's no reason why they should feel like they're alone. And we do everything we can to get their, their message off their chest so they feel that burden lift off them. And knowing what you do now, it helps us to say, hey, we're not alone either. We have teammates out there doing the same thing. So it's great to have you on here. Yeah, you saying that, I mean, that right, as soon as you said that our missions are aligned immediately, right when you said that. Um, I think the number one thing, and it's not even 22 anymore, it's they've pretty much doubled it now. It's, it yes, is insane yes. how many it is. Um, but I have a, so this is something when, when I talk to veterans or first responders, this is something I've, so I've been in therapy for since 2016. Um, there's a difference between being suicidal and having fantasy thinking. And I think the majority of individuals who kill themselves, the majority of them are not truly suicidal. They ha- it's, you're in an immense amount of pain and you have nowhere to put it. There's no outlet. There's nowhere where you feel safe enough to divulge this sensitive, vulnerable information without being negatively judged on it. So I, 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 truly, I truly believe that that in combination with isolation is why they kill themselves. It's because they don't have a group to belong to anymore. They feel alone, truly. So I think exactly what you just said and, and Project Refit, we... we we create that group again. We let them know exactly like you said that we we're not alone. It's we are all the same in this. We're all fighting the same battle, and we can do it together. Because so something my very my first psychiatrist said was, um, "What happened to you happened as a group. It was not an individual trauma. It happened to everybody. So the only way you're going to heal from that is with a group. You can't do it alone. It has to be with a group. So we try and make that group. Definitely and. And like we, you've, we've both have been fighting this. I don't know how long you've been doing Project Refit. Uh, we'll get into it in a second. But for the last two years doing this, knowing all the people I've talked to, 
understanding what they have gone through and what they feel like, like you said, isolation or alone. It's hard to say, hey, hey, brother, hey, sister, we're here for you without them really understanding that, hey, we are here for you. Right. So they understand that there is someone out there. That they're not alone. No one's alone. It sounds cliche now. It sounds cliche. Right. Like, call me. Please call me. It's it's just like, but we mean it. But the, the, the bad right. part is when you're in that negative place, it's not you're not thinking of calling somebody. You're thinking of your pain. So I think we as the support system of our friends, our battle buddies, whatever you want to call them, we need to be honed in on what their personality is the changes in their personality those types of things if you're if they're making those real dark humor jokes even if it's something they always do that in itself is a coping mechanism you know what i mean so if it's vamping up yo listen to that that's not it's not vamping up for fun he didn't watch a funny movie he's in a bad place and he's letting you know right definitely and i believe that uh what we're both doing it mean it may be overlooked in some places but there's people out there we're both helping without even knowing. And it, I, I read on your website today, and this I'll, I'll read this verbatim right here. It said soldiers are reborn in the military, and their brothers and sisters are those they served with. This family is important to them, and losing touch can be difficult. Your project, Project Refit, is looking to reunite them with each other when they need it most. I think that there, that saying right there, that mission statement is amazing. It, and I, I applaud you for putting it out there for everyone to see it. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's the other co-founder too, James Corbett. He's a massive, massive piece of this. Um, but yeah, there's something we realized. So, so Project Refit started. You want me to just get into how it started? Yeah, yeah let's do that. So, um, so joined the Army. I was in the Army uh, 2013 to the end of 2017. I went to Afghanistan with our friend Mike. Um, 2013 to 14, I came back to Fort Bliss for four months and then went to Djibouti, Africa for seven and a half months. So 14 to 15, uh, while I was in Afghanistan, we were, um, I was a heavy weapons company. So, you know, two, two forties, two fifty cals, Mark 19, um, Matt V's. So, <coughs> excuse me. So we actually weren't in charge of our RIO, the uh, Italians were. So for however many years, I think they said it was five, nobody had patrolled outside of the wire. They just, whatever, they let the Taliban t take over the whole area. You know what I mean? Um, right. So when we got there, we were, um, we had a really, we had phenomenal leadership, man. That's really just what it comes down to. My, my command sergeant major, uh, I'll talk about him later because he is actually a massive part of Project Refit. Uh, he, he passed away. Um, he was killed uh, from his, or he died from his wounds from one of our, um, we got ambushed. Um, so him and our BC, they fought for us to actually start, doing our job, patrolling outside of the wire, c containing the area. Um, so we, we got into a, a firefight and, and we, we, we got online, we assaulted through, we did everything we needed to do. And um, they were watching on PTIDs and they were like, okay, you guys are in charge of the AO now. So then we started doing our patrols. So I was two months out of basic training when I went to Afghanistan. Um, I was the driver of the second vehicle. Uh, it was, February 21st. So it was about two months into the deployment, maybe a little more. Um, we were just doing a KLE, just coming back, talking to one of the um, Afghan uh, leaders. I'm pretty sure, I, I think it was from one of the bases, one of their little Afghan compounds. Um, and uh, we were driving in the Wadi and the walls were, they were some, they were high. They were high, double our vehicle easily. Um, so I was, you know, 75 meters away from the lead vehicle. 
and we were coming around a bend and the bend went up and then onto the hardball. So second vehicle, I was driving and I was talking to my lieutenant and he was African-American and that's only important because he was the only lieutenant who was. So the Taliban took notice to him speaking to leaders and our vehicle was the only one who wasn't tan. It was like the old army, like the green brown, that, that, yeah. uh, that, yeah, we were the only, so we were a target. They put a hit out on our vehicle. It was easy for them. You know what I mean? Um, so I was, I have a habit of looking at the person when I'm talking to them. So I was driving and we were, I was, we were talking and I was, we were talking about how we were the only platoon at that time who hadn't gotten blown up yet. Um, and when I turned back to look at the road, the lead vehicle had already made its turn. So I didn't see its tire marks and there was a shitload of them. So sorry. So there was a, there was a bunch of them. Um, so I had to kind of guess. I had to play like Russian roulette essentially and like, where am I turning? So I, my guess was not good. <laughs> um, so I, 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 it's a simple, I, I guessed wrong. I drove over the pressure plate. Um, so we hit a, a 200 pound IED. I mean, we had the V hole, so that was great, but I didn't combat lock my door and my interpreter didn't combat lock his. So the blast, it imploded and it exploded, but all the force went out my door, th that door, and then um, obviously the gunner's hatch. So the gunner, Bravo, um, got his, his uh, the harness snapped and he landed on the hood, blacked out, done. Um, so uh, when the blast went out, like I said, it opened the doors and it ripped my helmet off. Um, so when that happened, I got launched and hit my head on the top of the mat V on like the DVE screen. Um, so hard metal, thank you. Um, hard metal. Um, so I got knocked out. Uh, under a minute, I, don't, I obviously didn't count. I don't know how long, um, but under a minute. When I came to, um, I was on fire from the waist down, essentially. Um, so, yeah, so it was an, it was it was a lake of it was a lake of fire. Uh, so we had a hundred round Buddha seven six two in the truck. Um, one of the dismounted two forties just left it in there for whatever reason, and then my vehicle was the Mark nineteen. So we had six hundred and twenty forty Mike Mikes. So when I came to. And I don't know if this is because I've watched the movies or if this is because it's an accurate representation of it. But when I came to, it was like the dust settling, like you could pick each speck out of like that happened to a T. The ringing in the ears, which comments, everybody knows that like loud noises cause ringing in the ears. That's nothing special. But yeah. um, my life flashed before my eyes. And even like as it was happening, I didn't rem I didn't remember what the memory was, but I remembered the emotion, how I felt, what it was making me feel. So in that moment, I, I truly believed I was going to die. I had no way out. I couldn't jump out the my, my door because there's a lake of fire. I don't know if there's a second IED, and I don't know if this is the initiator for an ambush. And if I jump out that door, I know that side is not covered at all. So I'm dead. So I can't climb out the right either because the radio mount and their ceiling or, or the roof of the vehicle are like that. So I'm too thick. Now I was 120 pounds, but I was, I was in fight or flight. So I didn't think to take my kid off. So I was still free. I was like a, it was like a feral animal, dude. It was just, I was like an animal trying to crawl out and I couldn't. Um, so I was the only one left in the vehicle. Everyone else was good except for Bravo who was on the hood. Um, so the hundred round belt of seven, six, two started cooking off while I was still in the truck. Um, obviously none of them hit me. I'm good. Good on that part. God was looking out there. <laughs> Uh, um, and I remember I was turning to my lieutenant, <clears throat> excuse me, screaming, I'm on fire, like an, an adult male scream, I'm on fire and I need, I'm trapped. I need to get out. Apparently that's not what happened at all. So later on, Bravo and I had the same therapists and psychiatrists, the same ones. 
So Bravo's recollection is picture somebody burning alive, the blood curdling screams that come from that. That's what I was doing. Bravo woke up because of that. That's what he woke up to. Um, so I didn't know that until therapy, which helped immensely. Um, so blood curdling screams, I'm on fire. So I was, I was pulling my legs in and out of the fire, trying to alleviate like one pain was, or one leg was just getting massacred and one leg wasn't. And then quick and switching it up. Um, so at some point I recognized, Hey, we got it. We got to get out of this truck. It was, it was when my life flashed before my eyes. That's when it kind of clicked and I attributed it. And I don't know if it's because I'm in psychology and I've just obsessed over this stuff now, but that was my brain either preparing me to die, giving me good memories. So I was having a peaceful death as much as it could be, or it was kickstarting me and saying, yo, look, this is what there is. Wake up. We need to start fighting again. I think it was the second, I mean, the second one obviously happened because I, I was like, oh shit, nope, never mind. I didn't even pull the cord because I, I was so tiny that I could just slip out of it. So I just pulled it off and I climbed out of the truck. And when I climbed out of the truck, Bravo had, that's when he was coming to, and he jumped on top of me. So I jumped in a ditch. I had no helmet, no IOTV, no weapon, nothing. He had, I don't remember if he had a helmet on, but he, and I don't remember if he had an IOT, IOTV, but I know he had his M9. So he was scanning at the top of the wadi, making sure we weren't getting ambushed. Um, so that was the first, that was the first ID. Uh, that was, so that was my first um, encounter where I'm not invincible. You know what I mean? That it's, it's, this is the real world. I actually, um, so I got to a point with that specific incident where I was so traumatized by it that I was not driving again. I was not, right. I, I am not driving. I think it actually started with, I'm not going back out. Like the first couple of days I was like, or the first day I was like, I'm not going back out. But in basic training, I had a drill sergeant, his name's Drill Sergeant Waters, or Sergeant Waters now, first Sergeant Waters, let me give him his respect. Um, <laughs> dude, phenomenal man. So I, 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 I messaged him on Facebook while I was in Afghanistan right after the IED happened. And I basically told him what happened and honestly told him how I, how I felt. Like I'm scared to go back out. I don't want to get blown up again. And he was like, he was like, Hey, look, man, I get it. I've been there, but you're going back out again. And that's what you have to understand. That is your job. You're most likely going to get blown up again too, but you're, you have to do your job. Um, and that kind of just, I was like, you're right. You're exactly right. I'm not driving. So I actually haven't driven. No, haven't driven. I didn't drive for five years after Afghanistan. I'm driving wow. now. Wow. Yeah, I almost killed in my mind. I almost killed four other people, and I right. just that I can't have that response. I couldn't have that responsibility again. I still have issues driving with somebody in my vehicle with me. Um, wow, I can I I'll do it, but I'm very I'm very <laughs> I feel very icky doing it. Um, so yeah, that was the first. I got blown up a second time. It was not that at all. There was no fire. Um, it was good. It was not detrimental at all um one of our dudes got sent home because of it bravo actually got sent home that was his third concussion so he got he got sent to germany he actually had lesions on his brain and then he um he got sent back home um yeah so that was the that was the first one so that kind of is really what one of the things that caused my ptsd um so then i'm sure we'll get to the rest of uh, two more of the deployment but i came back from that deployment i was all full of piss and vinegar. You know what I mean? I was an infantryman. I came back E3 with a CIB. <laughs> I was hot to trot. Nobody was telling me anything. Um, and then Obama declared, um, President Obama declared the war in Afghanistan over. 
So my unit that I was with in Afghanistan was made specifically for that. So we got disbanded right. through the before Bliss. So I ended up at uh, 177 Armored, and they said, hey, we're deploying to Djibouti, Africa in four months. Do you want to come? You're going to have to waive your dwell time. And, I was like, <laughs> and see, he swears he didn't do this, but there's a first arm, first arm rod. He said, your, your, your leave will be doubled. We still here? Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, cool, cool. Um, your leave will be doubled. So obviously that's not happening when you're under, like, you know what I mean? I waved my dwell time up, my leave would be doubled. But me being a dumb little kid thinking, all right, I'll trust him. Um, I talked to him after the deployment. He's like, I never said that to you. I was like, bro, come on. Yes, you did. Um, I was so pissed. Um, so on that second deployment, my parents started getting a divorce. Uh, my dad is a, oh, was a very, I don't even, I don't know him anymore. So he was an alcoholic, drugs, all that kind of stuff. So he, uh, was not a good individual um, while I was in, yeah, not a good person. Um, so I didn't talk to him at all. And uh, they started the divorce and, and my mom needed help with financially with the divorce. That costs a substantial amount of money. Um, yeah. And uh, so I helped her with that. And that's kind of when, so this is actually one of the memories that Michael Manning, one of the, one of the main memories I have of him. Um, so I had another, so he wasn't, Michael Manning wasn't my, um, squad leader in Africa, but he was one of them. You know what I mean? He was like, so the other one was, um, Sergeant Wood. So Sergeant Wood was my squad leader. I was in the middle of this conversation with my mom about the divorce payment and all this stuff. And I was about to be late for PT. So I had to, I texted Sergeant Wood real quick or mess, whatever, Facebook message and whatever it was and said, Hey, I'm going to be late. This is why blah, blah, blah. Every day Manning would see me. Can I curse on this or no? You could, yeah. Okay, so every day Manning would see me, <laughs> fuck you, Lombard. And I'd be like, oh, <laughs> oh. so I had come from this conversation with my mom, and he went, fuck you, Lombard. And I, like, awesome. I, I was, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, I was in a fucked up, or I was in a messed up state of mind. Um, and he reckoned, like, he saw that. He was like, oh, shit, what? So he asked Sergeant Wood what my deal was, and he told him, and he was like, Lombard, here, now. And you know him. You know, like, you know how he. And I was like, oh, Hulk God. Smash. He was, Lombard <laughs> needs a hug. And I was like, dude, like, and say it. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to start crying right now if I hug this man. And he made me hug him. And I, I had to, I had to force <laughs> that thing down and not fucking, or not cry. Um, yes, yeah, Michael Manning is a, so that's, so then when I came back from, Af uh, from Africa, I started therapy and I got in contact with um, the other co founder of Project Refit, James Corbett. So him and I have a mutual friend. Um, so when I came on leave from Afghanistan, him and I, him and I met at the bar. I was drunk, so he met me basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, so he re I, I posted on Facebook when I got my medical discharge, when I got my percentage, and like, hey, I'm going home. It's guaranteed. I posted on Facebook, basically saying to my um, support system and the people who I was coming home to that, hey, look, I'm I'm not who I was when I left. I'm 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 different now. I got I got I have a few things added on to me and a couple things taken away, to be honest. Um, so he saw that as a sign of leadership. Um, so he hit me up and, and basically asked what the military does to prevent PTSD from happening and then um, suicidal attempts from happening. And then how do they combat it if they occur? And I was in the middle of a med board. I was a very angry, angry person. And it still is pretty true. They don't really do anything. They they don't set you up for success. They, they It's not... They don't do anything. So I said that and um, I was in therapy and, and therapy is an hour long and I have entirely too many things in my mind to say in an hour. 
You know what I mean? Like I can tell you how the last hour was in an hour, but I need a substantial amount of time to one process. You know what I mean? Put it in line, what I want to say, how I want to say it, who I want to say it to. Um, so him and I, James and I were talking and I said, yo man, can we just, we were messaging. Not, it was like, it was like books on Facebook. And I was like, dude, can we just do like a video call, please? Like it, it's so, I need this. I need to see that you care what I'm talking about. This hurts to speak of. I don't want this to be wasted words. And he was like, yeah, dude, like, let's go. So we, we video called for four hours straight. And it was me just thought, 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 whether they were valid or not. It was just spewing whatever was in my mind that was corrupting me because I had repressed so much stuff. Um, and it was right there that we realized we were like, oh, this is a thing. And I was at a point where I truly believed I had to talk to somebody who had gone through what I went through for them to understand. What I didn't understand was they don't need to understand. You just need to have a, a, an unbiased sponge to throw your thoughts at. That's all it was. And that's essentially how Project Refit got started in 2017, by the way. So we've been we've had our 501c3 since September of 2017. So that's a good run right there. That's uh, what, five years now. So yeah. Uh, in so you've been helping uh, not just veterans, and but you have the first responders in this too. And, and a lot of people try to separate the two of them, but I think the two of them, families, first responders and veterans, they intertwine a lot because of all the things that you know, we go through and they go through as well. Most of them go through it on a constant basis, whereas the, the military guy and gal go through it in short spurts. We get the yeah. – the blur, yes. like the two four, the two four nine blur shooting off. Yeah, brrr, uh, I mean, I'm in the fight now, and we come home. We're cops, and then, we're cops, and the EMT and and first responders are cycling. Long, full every cycle. day, I, yeah, yeah, it's every day, and, and I don't no think I don't think off. people realize that. I think there is with see something that, and this is what we talk about in Project Refit. So I've been through some stuff. You know what I mean? Like, right. there's people who have been through far more. There's people who have been through far less. It's not comparable. That's right. just really what it is. What I was just at a high school today talking to a, for Veterans Day, talking to a bunch of students, and I said it. There's they're 14 years old. There's things that you have gone through that I would not be able to control or be able to understand and and fathom. Like it's they're your experiences. You can't don't compare them with other people's. It's not fair to yourself. The way you process things are entirely different than the way somebody else does. It's just a disservice to yourself if you're thinking. And I think that's what the military breeds. Because, see, Manning was one of the good leaders, but that's far and few between. There are so many. There's so few good leaders anymore because they get they they see the bullshit in it. They get phased out. It's so toxic, and that. And then we sit there, and it's all right. Look, he's not getting help. He's been to six deployments. Why would I get help? I've only been to one. He's lost fourteen exactly. dudes to suicide, and it's a it's a pissing contest. And it you're pushing yourself deeper into the hole. It's just not, like I said, it's a disservice to yourself. Exactly. I mean, I have a real good friend who's a detective in, in our hometown here in Clarksville, Tennessee, but he was also my soldier in the 90s. He's still in the service now as a sergeant major. So how, do you, how do you equate that as being a, a soldier all that time, seeing all the things you've seen, being deployed, taking care of all the soldiers you've seen, and then also taking care of your community? And making sure your community is fine, it's a hard it's a hard nut to crack. And how do we take care of all of us at the same time? 
And that's, I think, what you're you're bridging that gap through uh, Project Refit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we have um, so we've grown. So we started out obviously small. It's, it was, it's still grassroots. And I think that's why it works. I think we there is no clinical element to it all. We, we, we encourage clinical therapy. We encourage people to go to therapy, but we're not going to, you know what I mean? We don't, we're the conduit between all of it. So I think we, sorry, first off, we have Zooms. Every Monday and Friday, we have Zooms 9 p.m. Eastern um, until roughly about midnight. The Monday Zooms are live streamed to Facebook. So that's where um Sometimes I'll go on there and talk about my time in Afghanistan, uh, my time in Africa. I have a suicide attempt after that. Um, I'll, I'm open about those things so that people watching see that I'm talking about this with zero care, whether people hear what I'm talking about. I do not care about what people think because there's people feeling this that are going to try and do it. And if they hear this, they might not. So your judgments are all well and fine, but there's people who need it. Um and then the Friday Zooms are private. They're not live streamed to Facebook. Anybody can join it. It's just, it's a closed, you know what I mean? It's not broadcasted anywhere. Um, they're topic-based. We have rules. There's four rules. Um, so we, like I said, we're topic-based, but it's not the Bible. You know what I mean? It's not like it doesn't right. have to be if somebody comes in and they have something they want to talk about. Guess what? You're the topic now. That's, that's what the topic is. It's as simple as that. Um, we also do retreats. So in June of this year, we flew out 12 veterans, a first responder and her son. And we um, we camped on a ranch in Colorado for six awesome. days. Still with a ranch. Let me shoot them out. Thank you, Wendy. I uh, love you all. Um, so we can't like like tents, tents camping on a ranch. They had they had I want to say around 10, 12 horses, a couple same couple goats, um, some ducks, all that. kind. Of, it was it was it was. Not New Jersey is what you're saying. Not New Jersey. Not New Jersey. Like, I mean, you woke up and you unzipped the tent and it was just valleys of gorgeous and not like triggering valleys, not right. El Paso desert mountainous valleys, beautiful, lush, different colors, gorgeous, just aesthetically pleasing. Um, so every day at 8 a.m. and 6 p.m., we would have a scheduled event, fly fishing, horseback riding, hiking, archery, that kind of, we went to the range, we went, we met the, the guys who took us to the range, um, uh, uh, um, met a, uh, hold on my brain, wow, squirrel there, woo, that's the woo. ID, that's the IEDs. Um, <laughs> the, they took us back to their their factory and showed us like how they make the weapon, like the guns and all, it was so cool. Um, but none of it, like if you came and you didn't want to do those things, don't. If you want to go eventually, bring someone with you. Don't go alone. We don't want you. You don't want to lose you. You know what I mean? But go out and, and explore. Have fun. It's a vacation for you, essentially. We paid for it. It's not, there's nothing at, at your expenses. Um, I mean, if you're buying trinkets and shit, then. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? But the only thing, the only thing that we, we had mandatory is at 8 p.m. every night, we had a bonfire and there was a circle of chairs around the bonfire. And we had several individuals come to our retreat specifically for that. They didn't give a shit about whether we were, what events we were doing. They wanted the opportunity to speak. It's right. that simple. So there's a couple, I'm not even, I'm not going to name them, but there's two dudes specifically um, um, that they opened up. And, 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 and I mean, one dude talked for an hour and a half and has issues with alcohol. Um, uh, and, and we visit, so he talked for at least an hour and a half. It may have been close to wow. two hours. 
Um, and that was him telling his story and then people in the circle um, being devil's advocate or, or, or planting seeds or just asking questions to expand the thought process, any of that. Um, and then, uh, and then it would go to the next person. And then, and then, and then that guy would, or that would, <clears throat> cause we had two, we had two females with us too. So it wasn't just all men and some of these people haven't seen combat. So it's not, it's not just a combat vet thing. It's for anybody really. Um, right. But yeah, there's something we have found about. So, so I'm not a big reader. I don't like reading books. I get bored very easily. My attention span is that of a gnat. Um, so you got to catch me fast in the book. You know what I mean? So I read this book. It's by, it's by Dr. Edward Tick. It's um, the Warrior's Soul Returning the Soul from War. Maybe I may have may have butchered that a little bit, but that's a, look up Dr. Edward Tick, and it's one of his three or four books. So the very 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 first paragraph says the King God Odin. You know Odin. He gave his eye for wisdom. He sacrificed, literally, sacrificed his eye for wisdom. So maybe, maybe our PTSD is our sacrifice for wisdom because we can grow in ways that people who do not have PTSD, who have not experienced trauma, we can grow in ways they can never until they do experience it. Um, and then he mentioned in this book about the tribal times, Aztecs, Mayans, that kind of, like that kind of tribal time that when their warriors would go out and fight in war, when they would come back, they would have these long wooden planks with spikes in them. And every single person in the village leaned into it and they bled and they all felt pain. So there was no PTSD because there was no, we all felt the same level of pain. They literally did that. That was an actual custom. So I feel that in the military, so I think we've evolved through time. We don't have that tribal mentality anymore. It's just not there. We're very individualistic. It's all about us. It's me, 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 me. Just that's how we are. We've lost that tribal mindset. I think in the military and these first responder roles and this thing. So just I'm going to skip really quick or pause. Firefighter, EMS, cop and dispatch. We consider dispatch first responders also. They are hearing all of it as it's happening you are you are lumped in with us don't you worry so if you're a dispatcher listening reach out and you have you have a home with us um who i should have done that because i squirreled <laughs> you went on a little path there it's good though it's awesome and uh, like you said they're all we're all part of the same family at that point yes, yes. and uh, you your organization is has got us all into i guess intermesh intertwined and a lot of people don't want to see it that way but it we are all in the same boat. In the same boat, uh, they can't turn theirs off. We can turn ours off once we uh, once when we raise our hand. We know there's an end date. We know there's an end date once you raise your hand to enlist or re-enlist. You know there's got to be a time when we stop. We got to take off that uniform. We got to throw those boots off of the wire at our base, yep. and we go home. And at that time, they can't do that. They go home at night. They say hello to their wife, their kids, and then they go back the next morning and they protect her their communities and they serve and protect or where they go running into that fire or they go running in to help that person that's uh, at the worst point, at their worst point of their life. That's when they meet that person at the worst point of their life. And that's every day they meet that person. So it's, it's a lot harder. Uh, I think I know it's hard for us. We, we knew when the dangerous times were, Hey, I'm right. going on deployment. That's my danger. Every day. They don't know what, what day's a good day. What day's a bad day. Like, not not knowing, and I think that's with us, with people with traumas, I think the fear of the unknown is our biggest enemy. 
we need to know what's next. We need to know the outcome or, or we're not at least, at least it's at least anxiety inducing is what I'm saying. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I don't think people, I don't think people take into consideration the, the, especially the people who are doing it, the first responders, it's part of right. the job, bro. You're not supposed to see dead children. You're not every day. You're not, you're, you're living hundreds of lifetimes. So you're, you're, you're going through all of that, tra- that, that chips away at your psyche and your soul a little bit, whether you believe in those types of things or not, it, do- it does. <laughs> right. And it's hard to, it's hard to get that off of your, your chest and, and out of your head. And that's why I started my podcast is to my podcast. My first story was just for veterans to, Hey, come on here and tell me your story. Cause I know if you tell your story, it gets that burden off of your chest. It lets you breathe. It, it says, Hey, I did this. Yeah. I've seen this. Yeah. But I can talk about it and you're here to listen. And on, for your side, you had first responders as well. And later on in my show about a year in, I said, Hey, let me bring lump them in as well because I have a lot of both at a crossbreed. I was just going to say sides. that. Yeah, it's, most people get out and go, or a lot of people get out and go in be a first responder. So it just makes exactly. sense to mix it together. And to have them both on here and, and say and tell me their stories and tell me what they're doing now and what they did then, just to get them to feel a little better about where they are at, in in the present time. Yeah. And if you can't live in the present. Right. If you can't live in that present right now, it hurts. If you're always thinking back to like where you got blown up or where I got blown up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're, you're never going to come forward. You're never going to make it out of that. You have to start pushing forward. You have to dig in that trench and move forward. If not, then it becomes a, a spiral into the darkness. You know, it's, it's funny you say that. So I, so on one of my, de- on, on the Afghanistan deployment in one of the patrols, we had, a, um, we were on the hardball road and we had a, um, a white sedan was like moving in between weaving in and out of our formation coming like going up and i was the lead vehicle it was a uh, weird i don't remember 50 cal i think it was but i had pen flares on me so my squad leader was like hey if he doesn't move you shoot the pin flare and make a move i said cool did it didn't move he's like do it again if he doesn't move open fire i was like shit <laughs> um oh god so because uh, i don't in, in my mind was racing like what if that's a v-bit like am i going to shoot it and blow it like then it's my fault all this crazy stuff um, so I fired another, another one. And again, he didn't move. So I pointed the web, the, the 50 cal at him and, but I think, so I have, I don't want to say road rage, <laughs> but a little bit, um, a, tad, a tad bit, dude, if there is, if there is somebody within a car length of my car, my then the see she's laughing the back of the the neck when the back of my hair stand up so she said it so she said babe i think you i think you live in the rear view and i said babe you you don't understand how much that like that's meant in more than one way like a hundred percent um and that got me thinking i was like oh that wasn't a joke i actually do live in the rear view i'm 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 in this exact situation i'm engulfed so i talked to my therapist all the time. Well, and I, right. it wasn't until like a month ago, like this revelation, I didn't, I couldn't pinpoint why I was feeling that way when that was happening. I didn't know if I'm just like some jerk who just gets pissed off. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know if it was just anger, but I genuinely think it was the simple fact of the, um, if that was a V-bid, that right. ha- could have died. The implication that it was going to happen, 
I think scarred it a little, scarred me a little bit. And that's why anytime I'm like, Oh, you must, I need to get, like, I speed away from like, I'm, and then I'm in someone I'm up against somebody, but that doesn't bother me at all. So I definitely I think it's good. And I can imagine you driving on the turnpike Cutter parkway in New Jersey, especially how drivers are out there, how tense it must be for you having been in the action and then being there and how they drive. You probably have fingerprints in your, in your steering wheel right now. It's probably ripped in there. It's yeah. probably already death gripped in there, and you're driving up and saying, "Damn, these people just don't understand what they're driving next to right now." And how yeah. many other people around you also are you that are driving next to you that you don't even know? Exactly, kind of crazy. It, right. it is like you don't know. Like I have no idea if the guy I'm mad at that's trying to merge next to me is a combat vet who is also is having you driving right now. Like, yeah. So, right. so my only issues driving now are, so yeah, like I said in the beginning, after the, after those IEDs, after the first ID, the second ID was, like I said, less than hundred pounds. It wasn't, it wasn't fun. I'm sure it did something, but we, I don't know. It's the main one, the one where I was on fire. Um, I didn't, like I said, I didn't drive it's for five important. years. Yeah. I mean, like it was, it was a big thing. Um, <laughs> I actually had some of the kids at the, um, at the high school I went to, they laughed and then they apologized. And I was like, no, look. I tell this story in a way that allows you to laugh. I do that on purpose. So it's not, it's not awkward for any of us. You know what I mean? Like we can all laugh at the stuff I'm saying. Um, yeah. So I didn't drive for five years. It's still the, uh, even to this day, it's rain um, or snow. If there's ice, I'm not, I'm not leaving my house. It's that simple. Right. I, I don't, I don't have the wherewithal to, to, to process how it's not guaranteed that I'm going to spin out and crash and kill somebody or myself. With rain, obviously, it's just that's the same weather that it was in when that's I mean, that's just that's <laughs> that's ingrained there. You know what I mean? If it was sunny, I would have an issue driving in the sun. Um, it's another trigger, basically. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's so there's actually something when I was in therapy in the very beginning, when I was in the military, I did CPT, which is cognitive processing therapy. And for anybody who hasn't done that or doesn't know what it is, there's CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, and that's changing how you behave. It's figuring it out, mapping it out, and seeing what behaviors you want to alter and then showing you how to do it. Where cognitive processing therapy, you focus on a specific trauma. So for me, it was the IED. And I had, when I went into this therapy, I had 24 triggers. We mapped them out. 24. This is, it was a 12-week, 12 or 13-week program, um, hour-long, hour or two, two-hour-long sessions each time. Um by the end of the therapy, I had four valid triggers. All the other ones wow. were just negative emotions that, you know what I mean? That you, you, the rabbit holes that you go down, you sit there and process like, all right, what's happening here? I'm not going to get into all that therapy stuff, but it was, that's kind of what <clears throat> opened my eyes to it, I guess. And like, I've never, I've never driving even to this day. Like if there's trash on the road, like I know where I'm at. I know I'm in America. The, the only swear. time... <laughs> I'm, I'm still swerving. I'm not going to want to ride over it for my car's sake, but I don't think it's a bomb. So the right. other two months ago, I got new, I got rear-ended. Um, guy was going like 35, 40 miles an hour. I was at a stop sign, and he, re he re uh, rear-ended me. So I haven't been in a car accident since I've gotten blown up. Wow. And I've always – yeah, so I've always been wondering, like, how similar – is it going to feel? Cause I've been in car accidents before it and it felt pretty close. Um, so I got rear ended and honestly for about three to four seconds, I was back in Afghanistan. 
I was I was wow. in combat. Like even the green was there. And then like I blinked and I saw like the restaurant that was there. I was like, all right, there's clearly no Amy's in, in Afghanistan. I think we're I think we're all right right now. And and I came back to reality. But so I got I got my answer. <laughs> it, it will uh <clears throat> it will feel a little bit like an IED. Definitely, and uh, it brings it all back to light when you when things happen. It may not be the the hundred pound boom off the side of the road. It might just be that car ramming into the back of you because they're not paying attention, or or whatever happened in their car to hit you, and you don't know what your reaction is going to be at that time. Uh, earlier, we were speaking about the correlation between first responders and and the military. Uh, my son in law is a corrections officer, and that's, I think that that's another area that it needs to be addressed as well. My daughter, she she posted here, or her spouse, uh, she work, he works currently every day. He's in a jail, and anything can happen. He And she doesn't think people realize how tense that atmosphere is. He says it's his job, but he's also in the jail too. And that's something we got to understand, that they're in that, in that situation where people, that, people that don't care about where they are anymore because that's where they are. And there's a my son-in-law is in there. His job is to ensure not just the safety of him, his fellow workers, but the other inmates as well. So yeah. he's basically in, he's almost an inmate in there as a paid employee. So it, it's kind of a rough job, just not just for him, but also my daughter as well. Now, is he prior military? No, he's not. He good, went right good, into good, that good. after high school. Just because, I mean, we military go right into corrections officers also, especially the combat right. infantry. The combat roles go into the... Yeah, yeah, I think that should be, I think that sh that should be included. I'm, I think we're gonna have a talk with our board, in all honesty, about that one. That that definitely that's got me thinking. Yeah, so that's another area where they don't have a way to basically exit. No, they have no resource. Always there, right? There's no recourse out of that, and that's another area where we have to think. Uh, hey, how do we help them as well? Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, we talked about uh, me. We we talked a lot about everything that we and you have yeah. gone through, and uh, and how it affects us, and how the first responders we are affected, and a little bit about how uh, Project Refit helps people. So, how many people has has Project Refit helped to date since uh, oh. five years now? Yeah, I mean that's that's a thousands easily easily. Whether that's I mean like I've had I've had guys that I served with call me with the gun in their mouth, ready to kill themselves. Oh, wow. Wow. We had a conversation. I lit critically listened, which for anybody listening now, that's what you have to do. Do not respond to what they're, everything they're saying. Listen to what they're saying. Let them, like I said in the beginning, just dump what is in their mind. Let them dump it. Be supportive, obviously, but don't be sitting there. Well, no, you have to think this way. Let them, let them talk. Um, scroll there. Scroll there. You good, good. Let them talk. Let's get their get their voice out there. Right before that, what was I saying? Oh, uh, I lost two. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're, we're good then. It's blank slate. Yeah. <laughs> we're good. We're good. We're both in the same TBI yeah. area. So that makes it so much easier. Yes, it does. Don't have to waste the, waste the energy on trying to bring it back. Um, and, but and yeah, it's, it's everyone, we, everyone listening can understand what we're doing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I hope <laughs> if they can, this is a little insight on it. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm literally talking about it. The thought is here and then gone. 
And my, my cousin just she just posted as well. This is great information for those of us who haven't been through what we have, especially when she she works in the public social work area like she does. Mm -hmm. It helps them understand where they may be able, where they're coming from, how they. She can also help those out there. So yeah, uh, this tells I me. I mean, right you can give her you can give her my contact information too. If she has like questions out after this, you, she can. I can. I would love. I'd be more than happy to give her a hours view of it you know what i mean um she's 100 percent closer to you than i am right now she's in new jersey so it's perfect. nice nice <laughs> so that's actually actually i want to say that too so we aren't just for the service members this is for the support systems also so that's your spouse your what your your parents your your siblings your friends your cousin if there is somebody that is in your life life that is close to you they have to be mentally good too right if they need help we will help them also so that's that's what that's why I'm saying it's not just for the first responders, the veterans, corrections officers also. It's for everybody that's involved in what we whether it's projecting what we've experienced. Um another thing is I think a lot of and this is just good I'm completely new topic. I think a lot of veterans or people who have been through trauma but specifically I'm I'm not trying to exclude anybody, but I'm speaking on experience from this. So for combat veterans, I feel like we don't want to talk about what we saw or did because we know how it affects our brains. And I love right. you. And I don't want your brain to be my brain. I know how bad my brain is now. I wouldn't want you even. And I think not actually seeing it firsthand and, and hearing about what it is is worse because then you can fabricate whatever image you think. It's not the actual image. So it could be a thousand times worse than what I actually saw. And now you have that. No, but, and that's a valid, that's a valid thought and feeling to have for us. But on the flip side of that, back to the support system, we need them. It's that simple. We need our support system. They need to know why we are the way we are. They don't need to, uh, to know every single detail, but they need to know what potentially caused it. Hey, I was blown up. I was on fire for some time. I'm having a hard time dealing with that. It could be that simple. But just saying I'm fine, I didn't see anything, I didn't go through anything. For females, the MSTs, for it, and that's a yes. whole, whole, whole separate ballpark there. You know what I mean? That's a whole different beast right there. Um Open up and talk to somebody about what you're going through. It, it, it's we feel alone. We feel like everybody thinks like we do, and it's just not. It's not the case. People think differently, um, and and I think we just get lost in these dark places. And it's there's so many cliches and analogies. My mind just I try and like stay away from them because they they're losing their merit and all in my mind. Um, but. I think the only ones who can reach us when we're in that dark place is is our support system and the people we did those things with. Right. So I think if you continuously have them in your life, even if it's a monthly checkup, this whole like this whole message seeing our our boys or or our, our people on Facebook. Uh, hey, what's up? Hey, oh, they're posting depressing suicidal things, and you're typing. Call me if you need me. No. Call them now. You right. call them. They will never call you. They haven't. They're posting on Facebook. That's the cry for help. I don't wonder. It's 
we we're waiting for, I feel like people are waiting for some magical entity to be like, all right, you guys are all back together now. It's never going to happen. We have to make us be back together. Exactly. So we don't talk about this because it isn't finished, but we have an app. It's called Project Refit Blue Skies. Um, actually, I have to talk about my sergeant major really quick before that. So Gunny, um, he was a Marine for six years and then Army for 22. Um, so he was our command sergeant major. He was wow. 75th Ranger, and then he came down to our line unit. Um, so so he um, – dude, this man was a legend. Like he was a, a, a man above men. Like his job – this was his life. Um, and he, he was made for it truly. So, you know, like most command sergeant majors, they're sitting in the talk, they're, chi- they're doing managers. They're not going out. He was on missions all day, every day, all day. That's all he did. Um, so we had, we were on a mission with the, um, the ANA and, uh, they had gotten ambushed. So we whipped up our QRF and, um, he hopped on it and he was passing a, an ammo box up to, um, a 50 cal ammo box up to one of the guys I graduated basic training with actually. And just when he lifted it up, his side plate rose and, and around went right left, went, went right through it. So we had a, um, a medevac already on the way. So he got stabilized on scene, stabilized back at base, flown to Germany, flown to San Antonio. Um, we actually, so we made his story a part of project refit and one of the um, flight medics, that brought him from Germany to San Antonio found project refit somehow. And she, she messaged us and said, yo, this is the first time, excuse me, the first time we've ever gotten closure. We've never seen what happened to somebody we transported. It's never, we were always, we have that mystery. There's grief that they can't consolidate. They said that he woke up in the middle of the flight and was demanding to get sent back. He wanted to know how we were. And they're like reassuring him. We're all good, which we were. No one else got, no one else got hurt. So he went to, um, Went to San Antonio. They did a skin graft on his uh, artery, and then throughout the night, the skin graft gave away, and he, he unfortunately bled to death. Um, so, something he would say when we would come back from mission. So, for those for those of you not infantry or don't know that world, infantry has a blue cord. It's like a light blue. Um, only the infantry get it. So, there's there's ego there, whatever you want to call it. There's there's pride. There's bravado to it. Um, you also have a CI base. So they're all teal blue. Um, so when, when we would come back from mission and there was no IEDs, there was nobody got hurt. It was a right. We're good. It was a successful mission. Gunny would say blue skies, boys, blue sky. We got another day. You know what I mean? So project refit blue skies is the app's name. And essentially it is going to be a hub for resources, um, for veterans and first responders, it's actually going to be the only part of Project Refit that is only for veterans and first responders, where civilians are not allowed onto it. Um, we also the main thing. If you remember MySpace, yeah, oh yeah, long time ago. You, you had your top eight. All right. So in our app, you have top five. It's called your fire team. So you pick nice. it. It's your it's your friends. When you hit vent, so there's a button and it says vent. When you hit that, you call all five of them at the same time. And if one of them don't answer, it goes to the rest of your friends on the app. And if one of the, in within 30 seconds to a minute, and if they don't answer, it goes to anybody on the app that, that has the, anybody on the app, it goes to them. They get the call. Essentially somebody who has done a service, whether it be first responder or veteran gets somebody to talk to who generally understands what they've been through. Um, Got to raise money for that. Um, Drexel helped build that. Drexel built the first iteration of it, but we need we need to 
get a, a, a developer that either is willing to volunteer their time, which that's not, I mean, that'd be amazing. I'd love that, but that's, we need to get money to obviously hire a, a developer. We would prefer a veteran develop high to hire a veteran or first, or, you know what I mean? An ex cop, ex firefighter, whatever it is, developer um, to maintain that. But that's, that's neither here nor there. That's still in the, in the works. Awesome. man. It, it sounds like you're on a, definitely on the right path. And, uh, uh, Star Major Barreras is a great man. I read his profile on your site, uh, and I we have a quote here: "Best NCO in the entirety of the U.S. Army." Something to all for all to strive for. From Mister Nobody, I think we both know who Mister Nobody is. I, I will mention his name because he's a secretive person, a secret squirrel kind of guy. But it's amazing that one man can touch so many people the way he has, and lives on through your through Project Refit right now. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great thing. That's a testament to him. You got to keep that legacy alive. I think that's if, 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 if anybody listening needs a purpose, if you're, if you're looking for that purpose, I think keeping the people we've lost, keeping their legacies alive is, is a good enough purpose to at least to start with, you know what I mean? It's, it's something to, to start with and you can build from that. But if we don't keep their legacies alive, they, they get lost to history. Like something that pains me is something I want to do with Project Refit, actually. I want to get seriously involved with assisted living in senior homes because we have these Vietnam, Korean War, and World War II vets who have all of these amazing, powerful stories and knowledge. And it's getting, they're staring at walls with no stimulation. They have no, there's nothing there. I want to start a program where we're there. I'm, we're talking to these guys, men and women, that, that, are, that have been through. The one VFW near me had a had a, a World War II vet, veteran who was um, uh, 105, and he was a he was a surgeon during World War II. Wow! I want to pick that man's brain. I want to know everything that man has seen. That is insane. So yeah, I think I think we're it's it's our duty now to to keep those people who've influenced us, who 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 essentially made us who we are. I mean, many of the people who met Gunny, they they strive to be what we. Th- believe he was what he embodied you know what i mean we he he set the bar for in my i was a baby private i was an e1 he set what a that was a good a a great leader he was the leader you know what i mean like that's no leader has ever topped him either i've had i mean i've obviously i've had some influential ones but he was the one who collectively did the most for all of us after my after that first ied where i got burnt up i couldn't go back out on missions for a month some of it for the brain damage, but I also didn't have my everything burned. They don't have the, there's no spares laying around. So I, so I had accumulated, I had acquired everything except side plates. So right. I was walking in the motor pool and Gunny and I crossed paths and he said, Hey, Lombard, you were in that ID, right? I was like, yeah, Roger Star Major. He said, how are you? I said, you know, we're here. Um, and I told him about the, I said, you know, a little hot still, but Hey, it is what it is. Um, so he, uh, I told him basically that I can't go back on missions because I don't have side plates. He said, hold on, I have an extra pair. I'll give them to you when we get back to the States. Just give me them back. And I was like, cool. So he passed and I still had the side plates. So I actually gave one of them to one of, one of our other guys, um, Mo. He's actually, so he was with us in Afghanistan. He's on our board, actually. Um, he was there when Gunny actually got shot. He saw Gunny get shot. Um, and And he... Gunny holds a very special place for him. Him and Gunny had a very many personal conversations where I had like three or four 
So it's not, you know what I mean? It, it just wasn't, it wasn't the same. So I gave, I gave Mo um, one of Gunny's side plates just because I feel like that's something he would appreciate. That's outstanding. And that's uh, keep that legacy alive as well through you and Mo as well. And, and also through Project Refit, because you're both, he's part of your board. You're part of the founding, the founding, uh, founding fathers of it. You and uh, Mr. Corbett there, you yep. both are the founding fathers of it. So that keeps that legacy alive of Sergeant Major Barreras. And that's something uh, a lot of people should understand that the, the bond between brothers in the military and the bond between brothers in the first responding world, it, it, it's tight and it's hard to understand if you're not inside that circle. I don't think you can. I, I think it's it's you can't fathom what it's like. I think like this. These are the things people make fun of, like their cults and stuff. But it's truly not. It is. It is right. a. It is. It is an inseparable relationship. You've built this bond that, especially like with the people you've deployed with, that you've almost died with, that you survived with. Like that is. That's what I was going back to that tribal mentality. So I right. think we like. I think we unlock a little bit of it when we go through those types of things and you can't close that door once we open that door again. So we yearn for that tribal men. Dude, I would love if we still operated like that in America, in the world, if we operated right. on that collective truck, we'd be, that'd be great. It's a fantasy obviously, but it would be great. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's, it's a wild horse, I guess, but. We need to start. We, we need to start taking this more seriously. Like people, people are like shocked that people are killing them. This is nothing new. No, not it's at all. A, this, it's, this is, it's not like it's it's a new thing within the last five ten years. This has been a common pattern, and what I have personally seen from experience and talking to other veterans, especially Vietnam veterans, the un, and older ones like that, is talking about it with people who understand. At least the game, you know what I mean, the military game, right. or the hot ranking struck, whatever it is, they understand even a portion of it. That's what makes us feel better. Exactly. We're not when, like, I haven't even talking about all this stuff right now. I haven't been in pain through any of it. I feel good talking right. about it because I'm talking about it with somebody who appreciates it and understands it. Um, so I think it's important to find to find people like that that you can talk to. Um, I think that that is the magic pill that everyone's looking for. It's find somebody you trust, find somebody, a support system that you can talk to and you know, they're going to give you sound quality advice. They're not going to yes you to death. They're not going to say everything's going to be fine. Cause it's not, <laughs> that's the, that's the gimmick to it all. Some things are exactly. going to suck. There's yeah. always going to be that breaking point for every person. Yes. And, uh, we talk about, you talk about tribal living. Uh, I think the book uh, tribe by Sebastian Younger is one of the yeah. a better book to talk about tribe there. It tells you how uh, tribalism worked for us, like even in Afghanistan where all this happened to you and where I got wounded as well. Every person in Afghanistan lives via the tribe mentality. And uh, if you don't understand having a tribe, a tribe behind you is having a family, the family that you had growing up, the family the family you had growing up is blood, but then you have the family you have, like we had in the military, is mm -hmm. the family that's going to be there forever. It's the mm -hmm. brothers and sisters that are there forever, and they give you that no question asked favor for the rest of your life. And, and that bond is stronger than blood. Right. I don't and, think you understand that. That bond is stronger it, than blood. It's there forever, and it, yes. it's amazing. And it's that's how the Misfit Nation started. And I'm glad to have you on here tonight. I'm uh, glad you have this. 
beautiful thing. Beautiful thing you have. Talked for the last hour, and uh, it's like talking to a brother, a little brother, because you know you're a lot younger than me, obviously. Yeah, and, appreciate uh, it. <laughs> thanks for Mike for bringing us two together. Yes. He will never admit that he did this to us and uh, brought us together. And uh, that's did. amazing that he did that. Yeah. So I appreciate him doing that for us. And I did too. I'm gonna uh, get you on here. Have a call with him later. And, <laughs> definitely. So, uh, Dan, how does someone get involved with Project Refit to help you move this thing forward and help all the people that you're helping? Sure. So if you so we're at Project Refit, R-E-F-I-T on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, if you want to volunteer for us, go to projectrefit.us. You'll see a volunteer tab and you just fill out a form and you tell us your strengths and where you think you'd be best to help us. Um like I said, we have the Zooms on Monday and Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern until around midnight. Um, if you want to join in on that, this is for anybody. Um, you go on our website, projectrefit.us, and the very first thing you see is join Zoom. You click that, and it'll take you right to us. Um, my email is d at projectrefit.us. Um, so if you want to contact me, if you want to... Um, if if you have somewhere you think we could we could help somebody some big event that you think we'd be, be we'd be good to go to anything along those lines reach out and I'd be more to, more than happy to have a conversation. Definitely, and uh, I think hopefully uh, our listeners will jump in and help you out as well. And I'm more than willing to jump in and be part of Project Refit as well as a representative of the Misfit Nation as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're welcome in our Zooms. You're welcome to come, come, come uh, market, broadcast, Misfit Nation. Misfit Nation, we're all for veteran and first responder owned things. Come on our Zoom, talk about it, get it out there, let people know it exists. So like I said, the Monday ones live stream. I'm not on the Monday ones because I'm in school right now, but we can clip the Friday one most likely. If not, <laughs> right. we can just get you on a Monday one and you can, and you can talk about it, uh, talk about it on there and, and you, I'll interview you next time. <laughs> awesome. Flip the mic. I love flipping the mic. Yep. All right. So Dan, thanks again for jumping on here. This has been a great hour long conversation. It didn't even seem that long. I know. Uh, and uh, it's always great to talk to brothers in arms and uh, brothers that have been through the same stuff we have. And we appreciate everything you've done and what you're doing now. I appreciate you very much. Thank you for having me. It's, it's always comfortable talking to somebody comforting, talking to somebody, you know, understands, you broke down about all of the walls. You know what I mean? There was no no apprehensiveness whatsoever, so I appreciate that. Hey, no problem. That's what we're here for. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Yes, uh, sir. Misfit Nation, thanks, Dan. Thanks for Project Refit. And uh, tomorrow will be a reunion of the Dog Pound from the 411 Chemical Company from Camp Kilmer in Edison, Edison, New Jersey, my first unit. So it'll be a lot of trash talk, a lot of back and forth. So please join in tomorrow at 7 p.m. for tomorrow's veteran uh veteran uh in veteran episode thank you Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit.
visit our website at themisfitnation.com. It's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are 